Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. This episode is called MacGyver Air. (laughs) Some of you may not remember, but there was a television show in the 80s called MacGyver, and he was a good-looking guy, and he could he could make something out of nothing. You know, he could, like, make a bomb out of some dental floss, some toothpicks, and a paperclip. <laughs> you know, like, he could, he could just make something out of nothing. And sometimes on the airplane, a problem arises, and we have to figure out how to solve it with, you know, our little limited resources that we have. So we have to pull a MacGyver. <laughs> so this episode is full of us playing MacGyver, And then I have two ejecting stories because while a MacGyver story is amazing, I don't think anything is as astounding as somebody ejecting out of an airplane and surviving. So two ejecting stories and one story from my uh, recent trip to Guatemala. So let's get moving on our uh, MacGyver Air stories. Because I was on a flight and the first class lavatory, we were totally full, and the first class lavatory, the door... The bathroom door was sticking so much that people couldn't get out of the bathroom and they were having trouble getting into the bathroom. And I mean, grown men in first class couldn't get out of the bathroom and like we, they'd be pushing and pushing and then we'd have to like pull. It was like a two-man operation just to get out of the bathroom. And this is a problem on a five-hour flight because there's only three bathrooms and you know, you need the ones that you have. So like the first class passengers were even joking. They're like, okay, which one of you is holding the door with your foot when we're trying to get out of the bathroom? And I'm like, really? No, it's just sticking. <laughs> we don't have any WD-40 on the plane. And I was like saying to the other flight and I'm like, you know, we have to be able to figure out how to fix this, this door. You know, we have to be able to figure out to use something as a lubricant to get on this door so that people can get in and out of the bathroom. <laughs> So um, we're looking around. I'm like, we have to have something greasy, you know, something we could use. And I'm like, well, you know, we serve breakfast. I bet you there's a butter pad on one of the trays. So we start looking and sure enough, I found a butter. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't really want to put butter all over like the floor in the bathroom because then we could have another problem because then, you know, (laughs) people could just be sliding (laughs) really hurting themselves on the butter slick floor. So I said, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I know it. I know what I'm going to do. I went in the bathroom and I got the Kotex, you know, the maxi pads. We always have those in the bathroom. And um, I'm going to tell a few other stories because it seems like we find a lot of uses for those darn things. (laughs) Not the actual intended use, but other uses. And I said, you know what? I I this is what I'm going to do. Because we couldn't tell where on the door it was sticking either. So I took the maxi pad and I took the adhesive off the back and I stuck it on my shoe and I stuck the butter all over the maxi pad and then I took my foot and went all the way up and down the door jam with the maxi pad and then kept going with it too because you know they're they're very absorbent that's the whole point of the maxi pad (laughs) to like basically try to get the butter residue off so it wouldn't be slippery but hopefully the door would be able to open and close and sure enough it worked I'm MacGyver and uh, everybody could get in and out of the bathroom so when we were getting off of the airplane uh, we saw some other flight attendants getting on and they were uh, flight attendants that we all knew and I'm like oh you know what if the bathroom door sticks put butter on a maxi pad and it'll it'll work fine and they're looking at me like what (laughs) I guess you don't usually say just put butter on a maxi pad that often Military? 
Yeah, it's a military story, uh, 1986 time frame. 85-86. Sea of Japan, VS-38, S-3 Viking, S-3A Viking. They're out in the doing ops daytime in the or in the Sea of Japan. It's an S-3, S four-seat airplane pilot, either co-pilot or an NFO, NFO, and an enlisted guy here. Well, Paul Hennis, friend of mine, we went to San Diego State together, was sitting in the back seat here as an NFO. Well, anyway, the pilot, Valley Moise, who's now deceased from this wreck, was flat-hatting, doing unauthorized maneuvers out in the Sea of Japan. Unauthorized maneuvers, prohibited maneuvers in the airplane. Flat-hatting, they call it, which is how most guys die in the Navy, by doing flat-hatting, doing maneuvers they shouldn't be doing, either low to the ground or something the airplane can't do. Well, the S-3 can't do a loop. It can, but you're not. it's a prohibited maneuver. Well, he was doing a loop, and he did it too low, so as he came out, make a short story long, the airplane is going to impact the water at almost a 90-degree impact. Well, it pulled it up to about a 45-degree angle, and the way the S-3 goes, uh, you know, the ejection is, uh, is a bing, 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 bing. It's a time because it can't, all four guys can't go out at once. Well, they initiated the ejection. The, two front guys are supposed to go out last, the two back guys. Well, when they initiated the ejection, the nose was just hitting the water. It was probably going 400 knots into the water. Well, dead, dead. Front two guys obviously dead. Seats never went or they went in the water. The back two guys, the enlisted guy died. Paul Hennison on this seat, the downward vector of the airplane exactly canceled the upward vector of the seat. It was an exact cancellation. So his he ejected. He said he got two feet up in the air and just plopped about 15 feet to the left of the airplane. That, the paper said it was a one in ten billion chance. One in ten billion that that could happen, and he lived through that. When they, uh, you, you watch Bugs Bunny's going down on the plane, it's going to crash, and right before it crashes, he jumps off, and he make, it's yeah. that's what it is in real life. It is. One in ten billion chance, and he survived it. But you got to be lucky after that. Oh, man, you tell me that. So after the butter on a maxi pad incident, I got on the bus, and we take the bus to the parking lot after the flight, and there's other people from other airlines, and um, we were laughing about the butter on the maxi pad, and um, we were laughing about some of the other things you do with the maxi pads, and this other guy from another airline, a male flight attendant, said, oh, you know what? We use those things, too. He said, you know what? They're great. You know how you get the drip coming down from the overhead bins, from the condensation, from the... Um, air conditioning and it is very irritating for passengers that don't want to be dripped on he said yeah you know you just take up those maxi pads and stick them up on the overhead bin and you know problem solved he said yeah but people kind of look at you funny when you when you're putting maxi pads on the overhead bins <laughs> so you're going to say something yeah. about one of our older flight attendants yeah one of our well she's re been retired for a while but 
I was on a flight with her one time and uh, she would disappear in the middle of the service and go up to the cockpit and give the guys a hot towel back rub or something. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I was flying with her and a passenger came up to me and was so upset because we had telephones on the walls and, and uh, you know, the lady asked Norma how to operate it and Norma took her credit card and got it all bent up because she didn't know how to put it in and the passenger was furious. <laughs> ruined her credit card and so I had to go there and uh, I just didn't know what to say to the lady but you know yeah you know that's like when we now have the little television monitors on the backs of the seats in front of you and if you want to purchase a movie or a game bundle you can it'll ask you if you want to use your credit card to pay but what people don't realize is if you tilt the tilt the little tv screen then there's a place for you to swipe your credit card just like you would swipe at a grocery store or anywhere else you swipe your credit card you know totally normal but since the passenger doesn't realize if they tilt it there's a a place to swipe their credit card they are looking at the seat thinking hmm wonder where i put my credit card (laughs) and all these different passengers have, have put their credit cards in all kind of crazy places, like around the molding. There's some molding around the TV. And so they try to wedge it in between the molding and the seat, and they keep trying to get it in there, and eventually it, like, drops inside the seat, and there's just no way to get it out. It's like their credit card is gone forever. <laughs> So, you know, the passengers can do some dumb things when they're packing. You know, I think it's something they don't normally do. They're out of sorts. Maybe they're in a hurry. But what they can do is they can put some really important things in their check luggage that they really need to have on their in their carry-on bags. <laughs> I mean, I've had diabetics put their insulin in their check luggage. I've had um, people with asthma put their inhaler in their check luggage. And then another problem, and this has happened quite a few times, is that passengers traveling with babies will put the diapers in the check luggage. You know, you probably want those in your carry-on bag when you have a baby. <laughs> I've solved this problem before by walking around the airplane looking for another passenger with a baby and asking if the other passenger can borrow a diaper. But I was on this flight and there the people forgot to bring any diapers. They checked it and there were no other passengers with babies. So I was trying to figure out a way to make a diaper on the airplane. You know, we don't they don't give us diapers. So I thought, hmm, how can I make a diaper? So I took the pillowcase, you know, we have the, the pillowcases are sort of almost like paper. It's a synthetic material. It's disposable. And I took the pillowcase off the pillow and I ripped two holes for the legs and I put a maxi pad in the middle in between the two holes for the two legs. So sort of just set the baby in there and tightened up the sides just like a diaper. Actually worked pretty well. <laughs> so if you ever had to make a diaper <laughs> on the airplane, you take a pillowcase and a maxi pad. So uh, my last episode, I mentioned I was on my way to Guatemala with my uh, new boyfriend and um, we had a great trip. You know, the first part of the trip, we went to Antigua and Lake Atiklan. It was very civilized. Lake Atiklan, they call it the most beautiful lake in the world because it probably just is the most beautiful lake in the world. (laughs) It's surrounded by active volcanoes. It's just breathtaking. So our whole our beginning of our trip was very, we stayed in nice hotels, civilized, romantic. And then <laughs> we were about to go to the beach. And this man who owned this um, 
hotel that we were staying at, we said, oh, we're going to go to the beach. And he said, um, because my friend is from Belize, he said, you know, maybe you shouldn't go to the beach. You know, you have such nice water in Belize. You know, our, our beach here in Guatemala might not be, you know, that exciting for you. He said, you know, the road to Coban was closed forever because of guerrilla violence, but it's open now and very few people have done it. He said he hadn't done it. And, um, but he said, it's, it's like the most beautiful drive in Guatemala. And if we were up for an adventure, you know, maybe we should try that. <laughs> well, that's all it took. <laughs> the two of us, after he talked to us for like three minutes, we changed our plans and we're like, yeah, let's, let's do that. So we, we get on a chicken bus, you know, the chicken buses in that part of the world, um, they're old school buses sometimes or different types of buses. And they're called chicken buses because lots of times there's chickens on there along with the people. And it's very inexpensive. I kind of like the chicken buses, you know, it's a, it's a cheap kind of fun way to get around. So we get on a chicken bus, we got on another chicken bus, <laughs> and now we're about to get on our third chicken bus in one day, and uh, we are waiting around the parking lot, and the other two chicken bus rides, we didn't have to do that. So we're kind of sitting there, and I don't really speak Spanish, and he speaks a little more Spanish than I do, and he says, I think they're talking about getting chains. And I'm thinking, chains? What do we need chains for? It's the summer, you know, there's no snow or anything. This should have been a clue for us that maybe that could be a problem when the chicken bus needs chains. But we kept sitting there. We waited for like two hours. They bring the chains. We hear them clanging. And uh, we get on the road and drive for a little while. We're like on the side of a cliff and it starts getting muddy. And I don't mean just a little bit of mud. I mean a lot of mud. The chains were for us to get through this mud slide in a chicken bus. <laughs> I think we both thought we were goners, you know, we're going to be this little tiny line in some newspaper somewhere that says two tourists were killed along with a whole chicken bus full of Guatemalans as they went over the cliff in a mudslide. <laughs> but we survived, but it was harrowing. And then we thought, well, that was probably, you know, the the drama of this part of the trip. But oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> We were in a rice rocket. A rice rocket is like an inexpensive like van that um, goes from town to town and it waits till it gets enough people, like a collectivo service, and then it goes to the town. So we're in this rice rocket, very crowded again. <laughs> we're the only tourists again. <laughs> and the rice rocket stops on the side of this mountain. We're thinking, huh. And the driver says we have to get out and walk. Well, there had been a landslide, and actually quite a few people had been killed in the landslide, and they're trying to repair the road, and the vehicles couldn't go across. So they told us to walk. And here I've got my rollerboard suitcase, like any good stewardess. <laughs> you know, I probably should have had a backpack, but no, I've got my rollerboard suitcase, so I'm trying to carry my rollerboard suitcase and walk through like two feet of mud to get through this road. And we get to the other side, and then we think, well, what are we going to do now? So we're sitting there, and... Uh, he's trying to talk to some of the other Guatemalans and they said, well, he said that somebody else will come and pick us up on the other side because it's like an hour's drive to the next town and all that mud. So it would have been really difficult to walk. So we're sitting there and sitting there like an hour and a half goes by. <laughs> we're thinking, this, this probably doesn't look good. <laughs> we can see the other side that our rice rocket has left and gone back to where we came from. So now we're just hanging out on the side of the mountain where the landslide is. Well, eventually this cattle truck 
pulls up. And it had just had cattle in it. There was lots of cow dung in the back of the cattle truck. And these Guatemalas start getting in the back of that cattle truck. You know, it was a vehicle. We didn't have to walk. And so... You know, my new boyfriend and I were like, all right, let's get in the back of the cattle truck, <laughs> along with the cow dung, my rollerboard suitcase in there with all the cow dung. <laughs> but you know, the crazy part is both of us actually really enjoyed that cattle truck ride. It was airy. <laughs> there was more room than in the chicken buses or the rice rock. <laughs> and you know, it felt pretty adventurous. Um, but I'll tell you, lots of my airplane stories, you know, they actually seem pretty civilized after you've been in some chicken buses, rice rockets, and cattle trucks. <laughs> so we make all kinds of things out of different things on the airplane, and the pillowcases can have many uses. Uh, one time, this kid threw up all over everything he had, and the passengers hadn't thought to put an extra, you know, set of clothing in their carry-on bag. So, you know, they didn't want to, you know didn't want to keep the kid in the horrible throw-up clothes, so I made him a shirt <laughs> out of the pillowcase. I took the pillow out of the pillowcase, and I put a hole for the head and two holes for the arms, and you know what? That kid was kind of styling in his uh, pillowcase shirt. So in this next story, I have to edit out one word just because, you know, kids do listen, and it could be considered offensive. So I'm going to take out the word the pilot says and insert my own word that sort of means the same thing but hopefully is not as offensive. Okay, so I'm a, uh, I'm a brand new engineer on the 727. It's like my it's like my second trip and uh, so second second trip brand new fresh faced uh, engineer and uh, we have a two day trip it goes uh, like two legs and lays over in Columbus, Ohio in the middle of nowhere yeah. but uh, the captain's done this plenty of times and he has it set up to have sandwiches and beer in the crew room and we watch David Letterman later the Letterman show and everybody the crew stays together yeah. for two days uh, and you come back so it's all Miami and so we go up there and they they don't really know who I am on the way up there but then up at the thing they find out that I'm a new guy they talk about all the tricks they're playing on new guys so I'm going like I bet they're going to try to play a trick on me and stuff like that. And, you know, put underwear in my yeah. uh, bag or stuff like that. So I'm pretty careful. Uh, but uh, then we, we go back and it, uh, we do like a long, long day the second day. And we're coming back at night uh, going into Miami. And the flight attendant comes up and she's talking. She goes, uh, you guys want to see uh, uh, my tattoo? Uh, and I'm sitting there kind of looking over my shoulder. And she's sitting on the seat. I'm, my back's here. She's sitting on yeah. the seat. And she and uh, and uh, I go, yeah, sure. And she goes, it's on my inner thigh. It's a, a mouse on my inner thigh. And I go, okay. And she's got a dress on. And she's slowly <laughs> pulling the skirt up. And I'm going. I'm slowly cranking my <laughs> neck around because I want to see this mouse. I know it's a really cool mouse. <laughs> and, the mouse. and I'm going ah. <laughs> and then she she gets it up to about there, and then she jumps up. She goes, oh no, my T ate it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know so everybody knew the joke except me. They were, they were all, both these guys, she told them she was going to do it. And oh, oh, dumbass over here, he's like, oh, a mouse. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Mickey or something, you know. Yeah. We were like coming over uh, Orlando at the time. So uh, I was young and dumb. 
so there's this really funny flight attendant, and this uh, other flight attendant was telling me she was flying with him, and they were saying goodbye at the end of the flight. And I'm sure all of you have aspects of your job that are repetitive and boring, and the most repetitive part of our job as a flight attendant is the stupid hellos and goodbyes when we're boarding and deplaning. I mean, you can say, hello, hi there, welcome aboard, <laughs> you know, 300 times it is. It is boring. And then, you know, same thing with a goodbye. Bye now. Goodbye. Bye. Have a good day. Bye now. <laughs> it is boring. So she said, he would stand there. They were saying goodbye. And he said, you know, I, I think I could say anything and people would still say goodbye. And so he would go, then, <laughs> he said a goodbye. And he was smiling and the passenger just said goodbye and got off the airplane. <laughs> I haven't tried it, but it does sound funny to me. And, you know, the, the good thing about it is your smile would be more genuine than the smile you're putting on when you're saying goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> okay, yeah. This one was a, a friend of mine, uh, another Marine, and he was flying um, out of... Uh, Kingsville, Texas, and they were on a cross-country on a weekend... And he had a surgrad instructor, which a surgrad is a, a student comes, yeah. He get he's a he's a student gets his wings, and then he gets selected to come back as an instructor because he was fairly good as a student. He hadn't been out in the fleet yet as a, as a pilot, but uh, he's basically uh, young and fairly inexperienced as a pilot. But he had good flight grades as a student, so they make him into an instructor anyway. They were on a cross-country out of Texas, and they were in a TA-4, and the airplane developed uh, what they call runaway fuel dump. The fuel dump valve malfunctioned open. He started losing a lot of fuel out of the aircraft, and they, they noticed the fuel gauge was going down, and on, they were trying to make it back to uh, Kingsville. On the way back, they passed up. NAS Beeville, Texas, thinking they could make it back to their airport, but uh, by the time they realized they weren't going to make it to Kingsville, it was too late to turn back to Beeville, and they they uh, attempted to land at Beeville Municipal Airport, which I believe is only about a 3,000-foot runway, not long enough for an A-4, but uh, they had no choice because they were down to basically fumes and losing fuel, so... Uh, <clears throat> When they landed, the instructor took over the airplane and in his uh, haste to get the airplane down, he actually landed a little long. In addition to landing on a, on a short run, runway, landed long and fast. They, got, they touched down, realized the airplane was not going to stop in the remaining distance. They both ejected on the runway. And, uh, on the runway. And my friend who was say his call sign was uh, Bones, um, he ejected and went forward of the aircraft. Well, that can't be good. And there was people gathered around for some reason at the airport, and uh, the wind was the wind was blowing pretty good, and it was dragging them across the, the parachute was dragging them across the ground with this uh, strong wind. And the people ran over and collapsed his parachute for him because he was being drugged face down. So he managed to get up, but when he got up, the airplane was still running and was heading towards them. They had to beat feet to get out of the way of the airplane. But uh, my friend uh, Bones was able to uh, fly again another day and continue, but his instructor never flew another airplane in the in the Navy. Really? Yeah, lost his wings on that. Now, isn't it a lot more dangerous to eject on the runway? Because there's no time. 
Well, it's a decision you can make. The ejection seats on that particular aircraft, they're called a zero-zero seat. You could actually eject with zero airspeed and zero altitude, and it still has enough oomph in the seat to get you up clear and, and still have enough altitude to uh, land. How high would you have gone up? Um, I don't know. I'm guessing uh, maybe 60 feet or so. Yeah. So on my recent trip to Guatemala, we were staying at this hotel where you ate your meals family style. So everybody sits at a big table. And uh, so you're sitting with strangers, people you don't know. And we were sitting next to two girls from North Carolina. And one was blonde and one was brunette. And they're both young girls, very attractive. And uh, we're talking and um the one was saying how she's nervous traveling and she's, you know, afraid of international travel and she'd seen that movie Taken and I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a movie where Liam Neeson's daughter gets is traveling and gets abducted and then sold into a sex slavery ring. Um, it's a scary movie, but it is also a movie. But this girl said, you know, I, I saw that movie Taken and uh, I dyed my hair for this trip. We were like, you what? She was like, yeah, I'm a blonde. I dyed my hair brown because I, you know, I didn't want to stick out. I wanted to blend in and I didn't want, you know, <laughs> I didn't want to be a target for, you know, <laughs> for the sex slave kidnappers. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's not funny, but it's funny because it shows you the effect that the media can have on you and the fear it can put in you that she would dye her hair. She showed us our, her passport photo and she was very blonde and now she had like mousy brown hair. <laughs> <laughs> it never would occur to me in a million years to dye my hair, but you know, I guess it, it. You know, she did. She probably didn't stick out as much not being blonde. So there you go. I guess that's something you can think of when you're on your to-do list when you're traveling. Should I dye my hair so I can fit in with the locals? Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you've enjoyed the MacGyver stories and the ejecting stories. And I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. And an homage to that flight attendant who was doing nothing but gibberish as he was saying goodbye. <laughs> Instead of saying goodbye, I'll just say, uh, Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.